0: Hello and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market. And let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey, everybody, it's Troy from the Tap Market podcast. Today, we've got Vince Radish on from Native Source. Vince, very good to have you on here. Vince and I got together at Capcom recently working on our businesses Vince, tell everybody what your business is and how you got it started.
1: Hey, so as you said, I'm Vince Radish. In case anybody's wondering kind of why it's dark in the background and it's light over there, I'm, I'm over in South Korea, so I have a little bit of a, a little bit of a, of a time difference. But as far as my company goes, I've recently started my brand native source. We've been in operation for about eight months now. And right now I have one product that I broke it up into two different SKUs, two different size variants, a 30 capsule and 60 capsule version of an all natural joint supplement. The main thing about it, the thing that I'm trying to bring forward with the brand brand itself is young urban working professionals that are pursuing their goals and their dreams and they're living in the city. And you know, I live in the city too. I live in Seoul, South Korea, which is great. However, it is very easy to feel disconnected from nature because you're just surrounded by the concrete and the buildings and all the other things. That does create a little bit of a mental toll on you. It does have a tendency to create some stress and some anxiety. And so my goal with my brand is taking people that are in that urban environment and finding ways to build productive habits, to give them all natural supplements, and also to help develop their diet and different stuff like that. And the messaging is, of course, comes through mostly with the branding and then the sales of the supplement, or what support the rest of the business and the message and all that other stuff. What got me started on this particular path with an emphasis on the joint support supplements and all natural ingredients is that. You know, talk about being isolated, talking about being isolated and being in the city and all that other stuff. One of the other big things that all of us and the human race had to endure for the last couple years of being isolated from each other was a lot of these different restrictions that came through as it relates to COVID. And I know there's a lot of different people that have different opinions on whether it was handled well or not handled well. But one thing most of us had to do was get vaccinated. And a lot of us that got vaccinated, including me, one of the things that I was doing to sort of cope with sort of the isolation and the lack of freedom that I was experiencing at that time was I was powerlifting. I took my frustration out on the weights and I would just go in there and I was putting them on. I was getting my deadlifts and my squats and all that other stuff. And I was just getting my lifts as high as they had ever been because that was the only place I could channel my energy. And, you know, it a common experience for a lot of people, get your vaccine done, and your body just starts aching, like your knees are aching, your hips are aching, you're tired, you're lethargic, and you think it's going to last a couple days. And it it lasted for months for me, it was really unpleasant. It was unpleasant in general, it was unpleasant, just walking up the stairs. But it was particularly unpleasant, because the one place that I was trying to channel my energy into, which was increasing my lifts, really started suffering. And so to overcome this, I'm like, I'm not the type of person that just accepts a setback and i just you know i'm like oh i'm just gonna quit the gym i'm just not gonna you know i'm, I'm you know i'm done i am always looking for how can i overcome an obstacle how can i keep moving forward and so what i did was i started researching different ingredients that are used in traditional medicines that help combat different kinds of joint discomfort some of them are for cartilage retention like the baswellia we got turmeric in there for reducing inflammation and tamarind is a good ingredient for promoting overall blood circulation and then actually recently the new version i've integrated includes fenugreek which is another all natural ingredient but it helps with the absorption of the other ingredients so you'd actually should get a lot of the effects you know maybe like a day or two sooner than you would normally once i started combining these things I did notice my joints were starting to feel a lot better and starting a company, a supplement company, something I've been wanting to do for four or five years. And I kept on thinking like, what would be a product I'd want to do? And I kind of come back and visit this idea of like, I want to start a company. I want to start a supplement company that has these values that I believe in and at some point when I revisited this idea, I go, you know what? This joint supplement, this combination of ingredients I've been taking, this is where I want to start. And so I went ahead and just started going through it and putting it together. You know, in terms of strong points, I'm going to be honest. I have a podcast. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on all the platforms. and we're, We're constantly doing pushes. I wouldn't say any of them are overly successful. But the most successful part of my business is the product. I have been so overwhelmingly joyed with the fact that like, once I got my product up on Amazon, as soon as I started getting a few sales, it didn't take long before I started seeing those same names making purchases again. So I've been very, very pleased with the fact that something that like I sort of came up with and brought into reality and put out in the public space uh, for people to purchase is something that, people are purchasing repeatedly indicating to me that like I made something that's helping people Yeah, and they don't know me. They don't owe me anything. There's no sense of like Vince is cool. He's my buddy and I want to support him. It's this thing is doing something for me. So there's a bunch of strangers running around the U S right now that their joints feel a little bit better. And I can line that back to an idea I had. So that is, so that has been an extremely satisfying experience.
0: That's great. It always does make it easier to be able to serve yourself as the audience. So as you're thinking through wanting to create a supplement company and not knowing exactly what to bring to market, you had that aha moment when you had the problem, right? And you're like, I have to solve this problem for myself. If I'm solving it for myself, other people must have it. Now, when you reach out to those other people to find who else has that problem, was there anything that you did first? What was the first thing you did? You build a Facebook group? Talk to people? Did you create a product and bring it directly to market? Did you hack a product that you could have people try for a while? Sound like you might have been taking some of those raw supplements mm-hmm. yourself before you created the product yourself. Talk a little bit about like what were those first actions that you took?
1: So one of the things you you mentioned at the beginning, Troy, was that we met at CapCon, which was, was still May, right? So it was last month. I attended another entrepreneur conference back in 2018. And that was the year that I was like, I want to start a supplement company and a lot of analysis paralysis theorizing and coming up with ideas and that's the reason that it took me so long was I just kept on getting in my own head about ideas and trying to tweak it and trying to do everything like theorizing about everything and at a certain point I'm like like I'm never executing I'm going this is just going on forever and I'm not executing and then some other life priority would come up and so that would delay it and then I'd come back to it and then would delay so it was like this constant thing and so Last year, you know, I was messing around a little bit and, you know, with a few investments and I did okay, but then I was like, this isn't going to make me rich. I should take some of this money and I should start my company. And so what I decided to do is rather than trying to just over-engineer a bunch of stuff and go through this big, long process of, and I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, in my case, I had seen the folly for myself and my personality of doing that of trying to overthink it. And I just decided this time, rather than going through talking to people and interviews and all this other stuff, I'm gonna just make this product that I like. And I did an abbreviated set of developments on the labeling and the concept for the branding and and this other stuff. And I put my order in for my my inventory. And I just decided I'm gonna move forward on this. And kind of a little funny thing about it is I originally put in for a thousand units when they finally were made the Amazon warehouse. Uh, it had to get broken up into two different shipments. They lost 500 units of the shipment. They ended up reimbursing me, but I originally ordered a thousand and it ended up being about 500 units. And to be honest, I'm actually very glad that that happened because the particular thing I did of like, I'm just going to rush and I'm going to get this to market. I would say that anybody that's considering their first run on a new inventory order, I would recommend doing 500 units. I thought that that was ideal because that gives you enough space to kind of work through some of the stuff and get some sales and and all that initial stuff but it also is a small enough number to where you can kind of learn some of your lessons and iterate because as soon as the rubber hits the road you're going to just notice little things like oh that label i want to change this or this other thing or maybe hopefully not but you get some negative feedback that can happen. And you realize, oh, that's something, let me go ahead and contact the manufacturer. And that was an easy fix. And so by having enough to kind of run off of, but not so much that you're like, you have months of inventory that have issues that you want to fix, having that smaller number actually is very helpful for you sort of iterating, especially on a first run.
0: Yeah, not only iterating, but in Amazon, they've changed their storage fees, their long-term storage fees. Mm -hmm. And those can start to rack up pretty quickly on people. If your sales rate isn't very high yet because you don't have a ton of traction, you might be paying all of your profits, if not more, in long-term storage fees if you have too many. Now a lot of that can also depend on the size of your product. Your product's pretty small, it's a little jug. So it's not taking up a ton of space there. But if for some reason you have a big product, like let's say like Flydad backpack here, at Amazon, your storage fees are gonna be that much higher, right? So just keep that in mind also with your MOQs. You may wanna get them sent to you if you can. You're in Korea, that's a little harder,
1: but you may wanna get them sent to you and then portion them in as well. That's a great point. And actually what I did on my, so I'm currently on my second inventory order. So the first one, which is this guy, this is the first one I had. I have the physical bottles, but they're in my office and I don't have them with me right now. But I got a new version with a lot sleeker design, different brand name, a bunch of other stuff. The first product was good, but this one is is a much cleaner looking product and it has a couple extra ingredients and it is a better product. For sure, it is a much better product, but the first one was still good. So I'm going to go back on what I said a minute ago, just a little bit. I started seeing sales pick up and I started getting worried that I was going to go out of inventory. So I started kind of scrambling because I knew I was going to be doing a second order pretty soon, and I started looking for manufacturers that could give me a new inventory run. And the estimates they were giving me for the timeline, I started being concerned that if I had a sudden uptick in sales, that I was going to run out of inventory before I could get the new inventory run-in. So I actually went out and looked for someone like a, a manufacturer that could produce the stuff a lot faster than their competitors. And initially, the reason I didn't go to them was because when my VA went out and talked to some of these manufacturers, they said that they could produce the stuff in six weeks. And everybody else was saying 12 weeks. And I was very skeptical that that was possible. I was like, they're saying six weeks. That sounds kind of like BS to me. But... I started having sales increasing and I decided this is a risk I'm gonna to have to take. So maybe they're full of it, but I'm gonna go ahead and move for it. And then I, I started talking to their account representative. I started doing some research on their factory. And I, I just saw that it was just because they were they were a bigger operation. They were a huge step up from the manufacturer I was using. And that's the reason they they could get it done faster. But because they're a higher level manufacturer, they had a much higher minimum. The minimums I had for my first manufacturer I believe was 288 units. That was the minimum. This one, it was 5,000. So I had to say, okay, am I gonna go with this one? What's the priority? How am I gonna make this happen? And it was the, the inventory order. I don't know if this is kind of a weird thing to discuss, but the in order for me to get 5,000 units, I needed to be able to put up 20 grand. And so I had to kind of figure out where am I gonna get 20 grand from? And I had little bits here and there and all over the place. But I was freaking out because I'm like, well, how the hell am I going to get that much money in four weeks? Basically was what it came down to was it wasn't just the amount of money. It was how quick I needed to get it. And I'm like, how am I going to get that much money that fast? I talked to the guy in the morning and he tells me this thing and I'm like, I'm like, okay, what the fuck can I do about this? And, you know, I kind of put in a couple loan, uh, you know, submissions, check, you know, how is this account doing? When can I get this over here? And I put the money together for the final payment. So, But it was like one of those things of like, if I can't figure out how to get all this money, my inventory might get trapped somewhere. But because I ended up with 5,000 units of inventory, I'm obviously not going to be able to send that all to Amazon at once as a new seller. So I basically just worked it out with the manufacturer. They basically arranged it so that I could store most of them on a pallet. And it's like a $20 a month fee on this pallet which is, you know, a great
0: deal. They'll manufacture it, they'll store it, and they'll send it straight into Amazon for you when you need to. If you're like, hey, I need 500 units sent into Amazon.
1: They're like, okay. Yep, it's exactly that easy. It's exactly as easy as you described it. It's a bunch of boxes, it's two different variants, and I go, and I got the guys WhatsApp. I'll be like, hey man, I need you to send two boxes of the 60s and one box of the 30s, and then my VA is gonna send you the, the mailing labels.
0: Can I pivot on you on the VA? Cause I, this is something that is extremely on topic for us at our company. We're, we're literally onboarding some VAs right now in content creation. Mm-hmm. What are you using your virtual assistants for right now?
1: I could go on for hours on that subject. We don't, unfortunately we don't have hours. So I hired him on Upwork. I figured out what I consider to be a pretty good vetting process on whether these people are serious about applying for something. So basically I say, hey, give me like two examples of a time that you either encountered a problem or had to introduce a new initiative to previous work you had. So it wasn't just, hey, say this and how, you know, just, you know, bullet points of your spirits. because that's what everybody does and they cut and paste it. Mine is like, basically it's a writing assignment. And if people are serious about taking your position, they will fill it out. They will give you a couple paragraphs and it'll give you an idea of, what they're capable of doing and that they're they're able to do some problem solving and think on their feet. But then also it proves that they actually gave a crap enough to read the thing and and sit down and type and they're not just cutting and pasting because I don't need somebody that has every single certification in the world. I don't need somebody that's like says they're the bestest thing since sliced bread and maybe they are. I want someone that takes instructions from me and can work with me and can work on their own. Your skill set doesn't even have to perfectly align with the thing I'm doing. As long as it's in the ballpark, I will work with you and I will coach you and I will train you. Even if I don't know how to do it, I'll figure it out. We'll work on it together.
0: Is your VA in the States or are they overseas?
1: No. So as I'm in South Korea, I everybody I hired is in the Philippines. They speak great English. They have a similar work culture to the US and they're in my time zone. There's a one-hour difference between Korea and the Philippines. So synergistically, it's great for me personally, just being here in Asia.
0: We're working with a few in the Philippines as well. They are great English speakers. Here's one thing that I find amazing. They are so polite. Mm-hmm. They want to do work within for you, as opposed to like Americans get a bad rap. We're always complaining. We're always... Not satisfied. Everybody has an excuse in the States. Mm. The Philippine VAs, thank you. How can I help you? What can I do for you? Like, I hope this satisfies you. All of those comments are just so true about their people. And we actually worked with a, an agency that helped us to find the right people. So they have, they've built a team and they've done training. I feel like that's been really helpful for us because we don't have a good vetting process like you, like you've been working on. So we kind of had this trusted source that can help us do the vetting. And if somebody flakes out, they kind of have a backup team member and they can cover a few different verticals. So they've got like some video editing, some website development, some content, posting work, stuff like that, that it can be replicable if they have multiple people on their team. And so I'm with you. I think it's great. We're talking about paying in the like $11 to $25 range, depending on what service it is that we're technically doing. You know, if it's kind of data entry type work, you know, it's down in that $11 range, which is actually paying an above market wage in the Philippines, their cost of living to income is just different than it is in the States. And so it works for us. And I think everybody needs to loosen up the reins a little bit and find ways to do this so that you can work on higher value tasks. It's necessary to get to the next level.
1: Right. So we talked about this a little bit before the um, podcast got started. One of the things that I do, you know, as part of my background, my experience is as an army officer. And one of the things that they really stress is the ability to delegate things out and that you need to sort of have that in your mind of how can you structure your task and your purpose and your mission and all that other stuff to where you can hand chunks of that to people you give them like what we call a left and right limit to operate within and that means that like you have to tolerate that people are going to do stuff not the exact way they're going to do it they maybe wouldn't Form the idea the way you do. Maybe they wouldn't do it as well as you think you would do it. You have to be patient. You have to let them go. And you have to think of it from a like a nurturing point of view. You need to develop them in the direction. But that means that, one, you have to be patient. Two, you need to know how to give them the right amount of instructions, but not so much instructions that it constrains them. Because sometimes they come up with ideas that you would not have come up with and that are great. Going back to actually finally answering your question, I have four right now. The first one I hired was a uh, Amazon listing manager, just because I, I knew from looking at Amazon that there were little peaks and valleys and hidden little things that like me as a first timer was probably going to miss. And I didn't want to have huge delays because I forgot to get some piece of paperwork from somebody or I filled this thing in wrong. So the listing got dragged down and like little stuff. So I was like, I want somebody who's got some experience setting this up. I hired them first. And then I hired someone that basically, somebody that kind of ties all the different little email services or like a survey thing, or, you know, your website, your landing page, like, kind of like somebody that Ties together all the little gadgets that you have for a website. I guess you could call it a web developer, but kind of like more of an email landing page kind of person. And then, of course, social media, a social media person to sort of kind of do the grunt work on editing podcast clips or making, you know, different little infographics to put up you know on on Facebook and on Instagram and all these different things and sort of keep the gears turning on social media because you know a big part of the social media game is just consistency like just getting this stuff up there frequently and if you're the entrepreneur and you have to constantly take a break because, oh, I haven't posted this today and I need to do this. You know, you're taking yourself out of the mind space. You need to keep yourself in of thinking strategically and decisions and problem solving and that kind of stuff. So I got that. And then a fairly recent addition that I I got on board a couple months ago is a package designer with the specific reason that I wanted someone that not only does it do some package design, but specifically that I wanted someone that could create mock-ups and multiple different variations of mock-ups so that I could run split testing. And what I did was I, I ran a bunch of uh, Facebook ads and I had Abby, my um, package designer, give me a bunch of different package designs for my joint support supplement because I knew I wanted to do a rebrand. I knew I wanted to change the packaging design, the logo, and, and the whole thing. So rather than me just kind of trying to do it off of intuition or just asking a few people's opinions, so like I basically wrote down eight different brand concepts you know i described them in terms of like this one's energetic this one is feminine this one is neutral this one is i basically i came up with five different criteria for like describing the personality of the brand and i gave that to her and she went ahead and gave me eight bottle designs with these different brands and different coloring and different all that other stuff and so we put that up there and then you know i picked a couple of them and then we sort of did a couple iterations So that the current design I have, I think probably went through four different iterations to get to that point and even got to the point where it's like, I have the logo and the name and the color scheme and all that stuff. And it's just like tweaking really small things. And maybe there's a little bit smaller, maybe instead of having four boxes, you have three boxes, you do, you know, put in this little extra thing and just kind of split you know, just comparing those, just little micro variations, of course, with anything depending on your sample size, how accurate it really is. And it might even be a little bit different depending on you know who, who knows. But the main thing that that did for me was going through several different iterations. At the end, maybe a couple of them were pretty close and I just picked them on my own, but I had tested it so much that I was extremely confident that I was as close to an optimal design as I was going to get. You know, once I had there I was like, all right, this is going to be an excellent packaging design. I mean, when you look at it, it's relatively simple looking, it's black, it's got some boxes, but how that was performing against the baseline of the mock up for the old branding, it was getting much much better results. And so I have a lot of confidence in the new design and it's pretty slick, so I'm pretty happy with you know how that ended up how would you say
0: that you're sort of serving your customer the most today like how are you attracting new customers and then serving
1: them i guess that's a pretty multi-layered question I do have a Facebook group that is branded for Native Source. It's branded for my company. But I basically have most of the management done through one of my friends that's a personal trainer. And he'll host like online challenges and he'll do live trainings twice a week. And that gets sort of the community development and the serving the, you know, the real core, hardcore audience fans and most of that I did collect through different Facebook ads and challenges and, you know, sort of that, that core group. In terms of acquiring new customers, mostly right now, what I'm focusing on is optimizing Amazon PPC. And I did actually recently hire a PPC agency called Quartile. They focus on different kinds of PPC ads. They do Amazon. I believe they do Google and they do, but that's like their bread and butter is optimizing for different kind of PPC ad type platforms. Yeah. And Quartile
0: is like AI. There's another one called Autron. It's a low cost technology tool that essentially their stick between Quartile and Autron, in my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that they'll create infinite ad sets and they can micro budget those ads and change things so fast, way more than a human agency could do. And you can set your A costs and you can set your tacos and, and it will try to manage to your budget constraint goals. But once you get it set, the AI just starts learning and improving, and you just have to feed it more creative and it will test more creative and continue to try to build on itself. Is that a good synopsis of CORTA?
1: So there's a chance that you might know more about it than I do, or that there's different layers that I just haven't been introduced to it yet. So far, what I've been doing is, yes, it is, it is an AI adjusted system. It's my understanding that at least the one that I'm using at this time, it adjusts on an hour by hour basis. But I think that that's because there's still a large component that's being managed by the account manager during the initial phases. She's going in and kind of just overseeing it to make sure that it's not just going off the rails. And, you know, I have weekly meetings with her and we're kind of going through and adjusting that. That's kind of the part of it I'm at. I don't want to contradict you because I, I my my um, level of understanding of it is is kind of like, I've only been using them for a few weeks now.
0: I think it's a great tool. You know, we had Jason on from Element 26 a while back and he's running, I think now an eight figure business. And mm-hmm. he still runs Autron. Mm. He still manages his own PPC through the AI tool just because it works for him. I think you can take that tool very far, especially because the key piece is, is that you've also solved for the other pieces of managing Amazon, like your Amazon listings, your A-plus content, some of the back end stuff. Amazon, which Quartile doesn't really do. Maybe they have that as an additional fee or service but you can't just run ppc and not optimize your listing and so what you've done is you've solved for that listing optimization Mm -hmm. and then you put some juice behind it to make it work that's smart
1: right you know i mean whether you like it or not it's 2023 you know it's a fast-moving marketplace you do need to have some technology that you're leveraging because other people are using it you're, you know, I don't want to start talking about competitors and other stuff because we're supposed to be customer focused, but they're using a lot of tools too. And it's just a part of the marketplace. To go further into that, that's just the piece that gets your product in front of somebody and potentially gets you a first sale. Obviously that's only going to get you that far. So in my case, you know, having a consumable, what I'm really looking for is repeat purchases. And that's one of the things that I, you know, am confident in is between the fact that, like, I've done, you know, all the testing and all the different stuff on the packaging design. In addition to the fact that, like, I'm getting really good feedback from people that say that the product works really well for them and it's helping them. And I'm getting repeat sales. And so that's really the goal there is to get that initial sale from PPC and then hopefully have them as a repeat customer. But also, additionally, one of the other things I've really pulled out from Capcom was some of the things you can do to increase the back end customer experience so you know i haven't released it yet but what we're working on right now is a is a you know a nice slick little carton design for the bottles to go into and a little sticker that has a slogan. And I'm still kind of proofreading or proofing through some concepts for that. But it, it's, it's going to be something to the effect of harness the uh, the healing power of nature or something like that. Something that, like is a little bit of a call to action, but that like holds in some of the, the brand values. But then also an insert that goes with that. So it's like you'd have the carton, the bottle, the sticker, And then the insert, and the insert would basically say like kind of like, you know, our little mission statement about what we're about. And then say, you know, as a gift, we're giving you this sticker. Please put it on something that helps remind you to stay active and connected with nature. And if you take a picture of it and tag us on Instagram, we'll donate $10 to Urban Beautification Charity. And I'm still looking for the exact charity I want to go with, but something to that effect. And that way it incentivizes them actually having the sticker and having that thing that reminds you of your brand and how it makes them feel and what it makes them do. But then also if they do that, they get to have sort of the altruistic effort of their action led to a donation being made to something that, you know, hopefully they support. And then I also have them connecting with me on Instagram. So I'll have somebody that has like a higher buy-in on the brand I'll have their direct contact information so that I can, you know, ask them about the product and potentially encourage them to leave a review. And then uh, also, you know, I'll have user-generated content. So we're finalizing all the details and all the designs and stuff, but I'm pretty excited about Capitalizing on you know increasing the PPC campaigns and all that other stuff, and then capturing them on the back end and using that as the audience development tool. And then that way I could potentially later on retarget them for when I want to you know launch additional products.
0: So Vince, what's next for you? What's the dream for native source? Where do you see yourself going for this? and how can this community, help support you on that journey?
1: So long term, really, what I want to do is I, I just want to get people connected with a not like liver king, you know, where it's like overly cartoonish. But I do think that there's a lot of traditional habits that we've lost over time that is sort of keeping people disconnected. And a lot of that is just activity level, diet, different stuff like that. And I want to sort of be able to take that and bring that into the modern urban professional. It doesn't require you know, like go live out in the woods or eat raw animal organs, any of this stuff, but like finding a way to like introduce some of that stuff, some of those naturalistic things that we've sort of let behind back in. That includes, you know, additional supplements. One of the other things that I, you know, I'm actually, I didn't mean to get to talk about this, but I'm also a trained chef. Food is very, very important to me, especially being able to take the raw ingredients and being able to turn them into something. And so I want to be able to eventually break out into that space too of having macro balance, prepared meals that people can eat, you know, build up the credibility of my brand that we stand for a certain set of values, and then using that as a platform for other kinds of products. And so the trust that I I can build with the supplement line, also use that same trust to build up meals and other food products. As far as the community goes, anybody that's an entrepreneur knows that It's a constantly developing, you're constantly like looking for what are the things that I can do within the short term, you have a long term vision, but you're constantly like tackling challenges that are within sort of this, this short space of the next few months. And so as I explained earlier, kind of what I've got going on working as far as the insert and trying to use that to bring people into my brand, I can't, you know, precisely say what will be my next problem set within two or three months of rolling that in if it's a success. One of the things I am keen to start integrating into my operation is developing influencer relationships. Part of the reason that I'm not doing that very much now is simply for the fact that I just recently. Release the new inventory with the new branding and i want to make sure i dial that in and i have those processes set up well and that i'm staying on top of capitalizing the ppc stuff one of the things that i assume that your podcast audience of entrepreneurs you know, have a wide range of experience. Some of them have probably sold a couple of businesses. Some of them are probably haven't even ordered inventory. And then I'm sure there's people in between. One of the things that I would say for people that are new to this whole world is it's very, very easy to get yourself distracted with little side things and not be able to like narrow down and focus and prioritize and execute. And I've been through that too, as I was describing when I you know in you know starting in 2018, I was not really prioritizing as well, and that was keeping me from executing and so while I do have some things that I want to do you know in the next few months, I want to be able to always identify what am I able to execute right now that's going to build the brand that's going to better serve the audience and right now, as I said, it's the inserts, but I do believe in a couple months that it's going to be the nice little intricate Development of relationships with influencers. So, if that is you know a skill set that people have in your community, go ahead and message me. You know, on Facebook, I'm Vincent Radish. On Instagram, I'm Vincent Radish. If you message me, I might ask you a couple like little silly questions just to make sure you're not like spam or an AI or something like that. But as long as you talk to me like a normal human, I'll talk to you like a normal human.
0: And if anybody you know, is in the market for a natural joint health supplement, you're primarily selling on Amazon. So they can go to Amazon today, they can buy the joint supplement, I'm going to put the link into the bio of this podcast to share it out to the audience. And we'll have you back on as you continue to launch those additional products that you're talking about. I look forward to hearing more about them and pushing them out to the community and making some introductions. I know some other supplement brand companies like Drew Camp at Tedco comes to mind. You know, he's not working on joint supplements, but he's got a great pre-workout, but his audience could be a beneficiary of yours. So we'll make some introductions for co-marketing business to business to each other's audiences and look forward to having you back. That'll be fun. All right, man. And seeing you when you're stateside again, you know.
1: All right, next year.
0: Next year. <laughs> Vince, I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on, bud. And good luck with growing the business. We'll talk soon. All right, man. we are here. Hi there. If you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes. So we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.